It's July 6, 1996, and Pepper by the Butthole Surfers, a.k.a. the Sphincter Shredders, a.k.a. the Fartbox Barneys, a.k.a. the Winking Starfish Wave Hogs, is number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart. <laughs> is that for real? Yeah. No. Welcome to Tell Me All Your Thoughts on God. I'm Trav. <laughs> Let me see if I did it on the others. Take two. Yep, yep. It's copied and pasted. Beautiful. In perpetuity. I wonder what other surprises await us. I tried to proofread. I tried to proofread this time. You gotta read what's on it. Hello and welcome to Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. I'm Trav. I'm Quillen. I'm Al, and this is a podcast where we talk about all of our thoughts. (laughs) 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 Okay. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. Didn't think about the second (laughs) spot that that would be. (laughs) Take three. Take three. Hello and welcome to Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. I'm Trav. I'm Quillen. I'm Al, and this is a podcast where we talk about every song that reached number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart in the 90s, beginning with Kurt Cobain's death in April 1994. Today we'll be talking about Pepper, the first single from TP for My Bunghole Surfer's (laughs) seventh album, Electric Larry Land. Pepper spent three weeks at the top of the modern rock chart. Here is a clip. All right, what do you all think about Pepper? Uh, let's start with Quillen. It's cool. I uh, I don't know that I ever knew this song was uh, by the Butthole Surfers, or if I did, I had forgotten. Um, huh. Yeah, I was curious going into it. Um, oh, what song is Pepper by the Butthole Surfers? And as soon as I started it, I was like, oh. This is that song. I totally remember the song. And uh, yeah, it's cool. It's totally good. Um, I know we'll get into um, more uh, gritty details. Uh, Quick question. When you said you didn't know who it was, was there any part of your brain that thought it was possibly folk implosion or Beck or soul coughing? No. 
Okay. You you mean like this time around or when I was a kid? No, I think I think just somewhere in the haze of the the intervening years. Okay. I I guess I I'm not sure when I was younger. Um mm-hmm. but I mean I I I mean it definitely like my first thought was like, "Oh, this does sound like back." Um but I do not think that I ever thought it was back. Trav? Um I yeah, this is this is a cool song. It's quirky. It's probably a bit of a novelty song, and I tend to like novelty songs quite a bit. Um, this doesn't um, have as much of an impact as other novelty songs or pseudo novelty songs that I really like from the era, but um, I do like it. It's solid. Um, it's definitely its own thing. And, um, it's, uh, in 1996, that's probably the only time it could have ended up on the charts or number one, especially. Yeah. I, I'm a little surprised that it was a number one. And I feel like I'm going to be saying that, um, quite a bit over the next, (laughs) who knows how many episodes, but um, I think as surprised as you are, you probably can't be as surprised as the butthole servants were. Yeah. True. (laughs) Hey, Trev, real quick. Um, what about it? It makes it a novelty song to you. That's a great question. I, I don't know if I can immediately pinpoint it. It's probably the spoken word thing with like the megaphone vocals. And I think there's like, isn't there like no music in the verses? It's just drums and vocals. I think mm, it is. Yeah. I think and that is the that's, case. Yeah. That's a pretty rare thing. So I mean, yeah. like, good, good they're point. really like kind of, but, and it's also one chord, I think. Like the whole entire song. I think there's right? only yeah. one chord in the song. Yeah. Yep. Al, what about you? Um, I, I've always liked this song. I, I like this song a lot. I think that there are a lot of great sounds. It hadn't occurred to me that it just had one chord, but of course, you know, it's clearly a drone. Um, and that's very cool. I, I'm kind of a sucker, I think, for backwards guitar and backwards vocals and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I like those psychedelic touches. Um, and I think uh, it's a cheap trick, but it always works. The chorus vocals go up an octave. Yeah. Two thirds yeah. of the way through the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, it's a great cool, moment. Cool, right? Yeah, it, yes. it totally, the the chorus melody is great. And mm-hmm. I I mean, I like the um, first chorus with the more deadpan, um, you know, uh, lower um, octave vocal. And it, it sounds cool that way. Um, a little f- like flawed and imperfect. And, and it's a cool little move. And then, yeah, to do it, the next chorus, just jumping right up an octave. Uh, was a really really cool i i really liked that so with the drone and with that chorus melody does this have a little bit of that faux indian vibe that we've talked about before does this have a little bit of like a within you without you kind of thing going for it there is like a synth sound or something during the chorus that has um like that contributes to that too i think do you maybe know what like I'm... a mild, mildly sitar-like yes. yep. sound. Yep. Yeah, you know what I'm. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So, um, this is spoken word, and that was kind of part of why I was bringing up Odile. Uh, although the song that this has the most in common with, in my mind, is "Loser." Mm, definitely, um, very similar beat. 
Yeah, mm. but then you know we've got cake coming up. We we do have soul coughing on the charts here and there. Is this um, is this part of a trend? Is is like a spoken word a trend right now? Or is this uh, is this a new thing? Or is this not a new thing? It might be. Um, you know, the butthole surfers had been around since the eighties, and um. Earlier this week, I sent you guys a text saying that it reminded me of the song called 88 Lines About 44 Women by The Nails. Reno was an aimless girl at geographic memory. Kathy was a Jesus freak. She liked that kind of misery. Vicky had this special way of turning sex into a song. Kamala, who couldn't sing, kept the beat, kept it strong. Um, which was kind of a novelty song around that time. Um, and I had read also that it was compared to People Who Died by Jim Carroll, uh, the Jim Carroll band, that too. and that made perfect sense. So I think there is some precedent for this type of song, um, but it did seem to come back around. I think that's a really good point about Beck and Cake and Soul Coughing and things like that. It does seem to have some similarities to that as well. It it is perplexing to me because um right, like you said, Trav, they have been around for so long and it's it it's kind of out of left field for them, right? Like I mean, they're a very left field band altogether. Um, and this is like probably the poppiest thing they had ever done up until this point. And in that in itself, I think, is a left field move. And I don't know how much either of you have listened to earlier stuff of theirs. Um, I I was really unfamiliar. I I read about them in Our Band Could Be Your Life um, by Michael Azarad. Um, and as great as that chapter was, as interesting as it was to read, it did not make me interested in in listening to the butthole surfers and uh, you know for this for the purpose of just kind of having more of a reference point i i dug around a little bit in preparation for this episode and i mean they to me they sounded essentially like a noise band um yeah just doing straight up noise um <clears throat> which is fine that's not my thing but um i respect it and uh appreciate the art um and so this album, I guess as a whole, is like pretty uh, was surprisingly accessible to me. Um, and the song being the most accessible song, and um, it's just strange. I I guess I have a hard time believing that they're like that. It was an intentional, like we want to sound like back or mm-hmm. like <laughs> kind of move, right? Oh like, yeah. It, it, I mean they're they've been around for forever and they were on touch and go like they're, you know, a a really respected band in the underground. Like they had no reason to like try to sell out. They were already on a major label. And, um, so, so yeah, I'm a little perplexed and we can get more into the actual album later, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah. That's a good point. I think that, um, you know, we've made some comparisons, but I don't think any of them could be considered actual influences or something that they were like, we should try to, (laughs) we should try to capitalize on the success of these quirky alternative acts. 
I think it was yeah. just like, this is something that we're doing now. Yeah. I do think um, yeah. I, I had a chance to listen a little bit to their previous album, Independent Worm Saloon, and it seemed <laughs> uh, it seemed clean in a similar way. Like they were kind of mm. uh, trying to follow some kind of typical pop structures to their song. And it's interesting, Quillen, that you mentioned um, that they were a noise band because even their 80s stuff, the the few things that I'm familiar with, we're still, I mean, there's still verses and choruses and things like that. Um, hmm. And I don't know if you necessarily apply that noise tag to bands that do that. Um, when I hear noise band, I think of like literally like just feedback mm. and things like that for like I, long stretches of time with like formless. You yeah, know what I, mean? I guess I, I should have specified like noisy um, or like. I don't know, like, it was not pop music to me by any means, or or punk even. Like, it was so much more avant-garde and, oh. and crazier. Um, but yeah, not like, um, uh, what's the, Wolf Eyes or... Um, yeah, sure. Like, stuff like that. I, I looked on all music to see basically what I should listen to in order to get a sense of who this band like really truly is at their core. And all music sent me to listen to Locust Abortion Technician. Mm. And um, my note, I mean, That's I, an know, album I think that there's maybe, maybe after <laughs> after multiple listens, maybe I would have gotten something more out of it. I, I didn't dislike it, but. My note just says willfully alienating. Hmm. Like I, f I felt like I was being pranked as I was listening to it. Um, I, 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 but it did have a certain like integrity that I could hear and that I could enjoy. And um, it, I also got the sense that on the earlier records, drugs were a really big factor. Hmm. Um, and that tends to be something that um, I, I just find kind of boring um, generally when bands are, are, when the music seems to be dependent on uh, drug use. I don't know that, that maybe Butthole Surfers fans would argue with me, but um, I, 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 I found that I was not particularly interested in this band yeah. um, when I delved deeper. Trav, to kind of further clarify what I was thinking, like, well, first off, I, I was shocked that some of these albums were, you know, released in the 80s. Like, it just seemed ahead of its time to me, which is cool and, and a compliment. Um, I, it reminded me, some of the earlier albums reminded me of bands like Arab on Radar. Yeah. Or oh, um, like okay. U.S. Maple, really, like, like bands that are, um, that their songs may have somewhat of a structure, um, but are like you know, buzzsaw guitars, um, really, uh, unsettling and and hard to tolerate vocals, and uh, you know, U.S. Maple have like 
are amazing musicians at the very least and urban raider i don't know i just always thought they were super obnoxious and terrible um uh, it, it was just like more in like that kind of band wow okay so i also sort of started with um locust abortion technician and to me that seemed like that seemed manageable and i think um my perception of their 80s stuff was that it would be so challenging and so abrasive and confrontational that it would be difficult to appreciate and when i actually checked in on locust abortion technician it wasn't as um gnarly (laughs) as i had feared it might be Mm -hmm. and because Mm -hmm. of that it made me go oh this is this is okay there, you know, mm-hmm. this is uh, uh, agreeable enough that it actually mm-hmm. made me a little more interested in um, in some of their 80s stuff. I, I didn't listen to anything before that. And I'm wondering, Quillen, if that's um, maybe um, some of the stuff that you're referencing. I think Rembrandt Pussy Horse is probably what I'm um, mostly referring to, which is the album before um, Locust Abortion Technician. Yeah. Um, Rembrandt Pussy Horse came out in 1986. Um, Every time we name one of their albums, it's just going to be amazing. Or we haven't even said the best one. We haven't said nearly the best one. Yeah, I mean, there's a few, right? Well, there's one that's clearly the (laughs) the best album title I've ever heard in my life. Alec, what's the best one? Hairway to Steven. (laughs) I mean, come on. Yeah, (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. That's uh, an all-time great album title. So I have their re- releases in front of me, and some of my favorites also include um, Psychic, Powerless, Another Man's Sack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I didn't listen to that one. I think the album cover was a little too scary for me. And yeah. I was just like, yeah, I don't, I don't think, uh, I'm probably not going to like anything and, from this. And there's ellipses between those words, too, where yeah. it's like, Psychic. <laughs> Powerless. <laughs> yeah, it's ellipses just gonna... with four periods. Really? Yes. <laughs> At least on Spotify. Oh, that's, that's outrageous. <laughs> um, the cream corn from the socket of Davis EP is another one that's fantastic. <laughs> of course, we've got Rembrandt, Pussy Horse, Hairway to Steven. Um, later in 1995, they had a release uh, called. The whole truth and nothing but, and whole and butt are spelled like butthole. Hey, real quick. What was the EP that you, you said? Cream corn it? from the socket of Davis. Yeah, that's You gotta love that, that right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wonder if Ed Kowalczyk got inspiration from that for the Pillar of Davidson. <laughs> Cream corn from the pillar of Davidson. (laughs) Perhaps. We'll never know. People have brought up the idea of Thoughts on Pod uh, t-shirts and haven't been amenable to the idea until we just said... (laughs) So we just said cream corn from the pillar of Davidson. (laughs) Um... I'll just quickly share what I saw on, on song meanings is, is ribbity on songmeanings.com says that this song is about heroin. Um, I am not, I I don't have, uh, enough exposure to heroin to very, Mm -hmm. be able to verify this, but, um, 
cinnamon and sugar apparently when you're this person uh says that when you're around a junkie there's a really there's a sweet smell on their clothes and 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 on their person and uh the the lyrics to the verses are tend to be these sort of novelty lyrics about people dying in various ways and uh ribbity thinks that that is about junkies as uh, ribbity says junkies tend to have short ugly lives so uh i'll i'll buy it i don't i don't mind uh accepting that um i think my last question about the song itself is what balance of live band to samples do you think we're hearing here um i mean i think there are both live drums and drum machine or you know electronic drum beat for sure through mm-hmm. almost the whole thing i want to say the drums during the verses might be live and the choruses it's a mix hmm. i did read that that bridge that's kind of great is apparently just the chorus played it's just the, the, the recording of the chorus played backwards hmm. and he goes that's pretty good <laughs> yeah <laughs> i wanted to mention uh when i was a kid I had, and I still have, the Rolling Stone Encyclopedia of Rock and Roll, uh, which I have in Mm -hmm. front of me. And I was haunted by the entry about the butthole surfers uh, as a kid in sixth or seventh grade in reading their entry. Because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it sort of lists their releases, where they're from, band members and things like that. And then there's like a short kind of narrative about like what the band did and how their career went and things like that. And there was there was a line in it. I'm going to read it. It says their stage shows have included everything from backdrop projections of auto accidents and sex change operations to androgynous nude dancers crude pyrotechnics and the incessant gross out shenanigans of singer Gibby Haynes. And then in parentheses at an early show, he removed the dress he was wearing during a performance. And depending on who was telling the story, either simulated sex or had sex with one of the band's dancers. Mm. And as a child that blew my mind, that was the most transgressive (laughs) thing that I read in that entire book about, uh, rock and roll. And, um, so I've always had this kind of like sense of awe or like a feeling of like being like slightly intimidated by the butthole surfers about how, mm-hmm. how out there they were. Yeah. Well, um, let's uh, briefly mention the video. I, I don't have much to say about it. There's some riot police. There's some kind of a cable access performance that the band is doing. Um, there's some kind of black and white mm-hmm. sort of noir murder narrative going on involving a motel. Um, and then some advertisement, some, some, some images that look like they could be from sixties advertisements, kind of these smiling housewife kind of images. Um, and it works. It, it totally works for the song. I, I don't know that there's a lot more that I would add to that. I thought it was really good. Maybe one of the best videos uh, one of my my preferred videos that we've we've covered. There's a good concept to it. Um, fit the song well. Fit the band well. I really liked it. Eric Estrada's in it from Chips. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about the album Electric Larry Land. 
Um, this is, of course, a take on Jimi Hendrix's album uh, Electric Ladyland. So this is, at least along with Hairway to Steven, one of two parody album titles. I didn't catch any other parody album titles. Uh, did you, Shrav? I don't think so, no. Okay. Well, I, I put this on, and I was kind of excited because I've always liked Pepper, and I was pretty much immediately disappointed and I think my experience was probably very similar to the average 12-year-olds who went to the mall and, and bought this album and, and put it on. And it was kind of like, what is this? This doesn't sound like Pepper. Um, <laughs> but it sounds like a, it sounds like a punk band. Um, yeah. It sounds like a, a band that's in transition. I feel like the mixture's a little confusing. And even after listening Definitely. several times, I could not quite get a handle on what I was supposed to be getting out of this album. Yeah, it's kind of all over the place. Um I though I would say generally it's kind of got a punky like grunge feel to it, I guess. Um there's some jangly stuff too that I was surprised by. Um mm-hmm. there's a few just like uh a few of the songs kind of uh reminded me of like um dead milkman or something like a more like jangly punk sound um uh tv star was a nice like ballad um that almost sounded like something from like the adventures of pete and pete um to me i i liked that song pretty okay i thought tv Um, star was like that should have been the second single Right, like that was yeah. the most accessible yeah. thing on the album, other yes, than Pepper. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, their choice of a second single was not so great, but we'll get to that. Um, the other, uh, really, the only other thing that um, uh, stuck out to me was "The Lord Is a Monkey," uh, a song that I also recognized. Um, it didn't stick out to me really, in as like something that I liked, but uh, you know, I was just like, "Well, I can't place this song. Where do I recognize it from?" And it's in black sheep starring chris mm, farley mm-hmm. and and david spade yeah along with some other classic uh 90s alternative rock and grunge uh bands um yeah i don't know it other than otherwise i just yeah couldn't really get a good grip on the album at all Trev, I think you're our best hope. That's right. And I actually really liked the album. I liked the album more than I liked the single. And this is the first time that I've listened to the album. I had never heard it Mm. before. And um, I just thought everything about it was cool. I probably listened to it two or three times, which is more than I can say for most of the albums that we cover, to be honest. I know, Quillen, you tend to listen to to the albums a few times to get a, a good grasp of it and uh depends depends on the okay okay yeah i i don't usually do that but i really um really liked it i thought um there weren't any songs that jumped out and grabbed me as being fantastic i did like the second single quite a bit and thought it was very cool um but like you mentioned uh dead milkman definitely came up uh dead Mm -hmm. kennedy's also 
I wondered if there was a dead theme, dead buttholes, dead, uh, <laughs> dead, yeah, etc. Um, but yeah, I, I, there wasn't a bad song or a moment that like really mm. didn't work for me or a, a moment where I got frustrated in the album. Like everything was just consistently kind of gnarly. You mentioned grunge. I think it's like a truly kind of a grunge album when you look at the yeah. mixture of like, like classic rock and blues and metal and punk all kind yeah. of jammed yeah. in together to, yeah. to like this sludgy kind of nothing like like that's pre what it came pre mainstream as. grunge right? yes yeah, yeah like mud honey and like yeah. seattle bands like yeah. that yeah 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 but i really i really thought it was cool and um it's one of the 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 nicest surprises i've heard uh since frog stomp <laughs> oh lord the 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 best thing that i could really take away from this was that when i listened to songs like birds and ulcer breakout i thought this band would be fun live i don't um, know it sounds I, like they'd be scary <laughs> yeah maybe not <laughs> <laughs> so uh there was one other single from this album it was called Jingle of a Dog's Collar. I couldn't, and it, I didn't know that. I, I couldn't even tell you what the song is. Yeah, it did not chart. It's the one that goes, the jingle of a dog's collar would be good right here. That's the chorus. Cool. I think it's a real stinker. <laughs> Um, I, Trav loves it. <laughs> yeah, I did. I really did. I thought it was cool. Um, so there. What did you guys think of the album cover, or what do you think of the of the original album cover? Oh, so that's a great question. I um, <laughs> think it's gross, obviously, right? <laughs> uh, it is. It, it, for those of you who are not familiar with it, it is a pencil jammed in an ear with blood sprouting out of it and then there's yeah. like these two like connected cartoony eyes in the bottom the left part. corner that are just like almost <laughs> like googly eyes, eyes attached to it right not even where eyes should be like what <laughs> right. I don't, it's it's like my favorite detail is just the the <laughs> pair of eyes in the bottom left corner i could i could live so and then it was it was reissued with what a picture of a squirrel uh yeah on the cover. something like that yeah yeah okay. yeah, yeah. didn't mean to interrupt trap so i um i had read too much i got too much information about the album cover um somebody I think maybe in the Wikipedia page had suggested that the pencil in the ear is a reference to um, something called like the hi-fi murders that took place in the seventies or eighties. And it's this really graphic description of like someone who like came into a, a um, an electronic store and attempted to rob it, did rob it and held everyone hostage and like, brutalized everyone inside and it involves some some things like that and uh 
just really unpleasant. Like just reading it made me queasy and a little bit like mm. <laughs> faint, to be honest. It was so gross. Um, and I don't know if it was actually a reference to that or not. Um, but yeah, that's what was suggested on the Wikipedia page. Huh. Cool. Well, shall we move on to the charts? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Yes. Um, at the top of the modern rock chart, we still have Until It Sleeps by Metallica. Uh, tedious mid-tempo, uh, mid, mid-90s Metallica. Um, on the mainstream chart, we go through a couple things here. So we start off still being on uh, The Crossroads by Bone Thugs, and then we move on to a Tupac double A-side, something that we don't run into on our podcast because modern rock is all about airplay, whereas the pop charts are about a mix of airplay and sales. So this is a a monster double A-side. This is How Do You Want It? featuring Casey and JoJo and California Love. Um, memories of these songs or, or, or any, any, any positive feelings about those two? I love California Love. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Agreed. It's awesome. Um, yeah, that was ubiquitous at the time. Like, I can't think of a song that I heard more during this, probably this year um wow and it was great oh yeah during 2021 so far (laughs) not this year (laughs) you joker during Um, 1996 yeah (laughs) (laughs) um got it yeah it was just uh real like a nice hard funk kind of pop Mm. single uh this is just great um i think i've heard it so much i feel like i know most of the lyrics when it comes on and uh yeah great song Hmm. great song i feel like i prefer how do you want it to to california love but i i you know i uh wasn't watching mtv at this time and i i feel like i really don't know much about tupac i mean in terms of like mainstream mid-90s rap you know um uh, to go go about a year from now and my friends and I were listening to lots of B.I.G. and Puff Daddy and I've later you know gone back and listened to a lot of other things but I've still never nothing's ever driven me to go back and check out Tupac I, you know I when I I watch I always try to make an effort to watch our um our pop number ones I try to make an effort to watch the music videos and I've almost never seen them before which I know is mm unusual for someone our age but Mm -hmm. i was surprised to just to see how much fun tupac was having in both of these videos i mean he's really Hmm. smiling and laughing in both of them and i guess i think of him as a a rap martyr and maybe uh the myth kind of takes over if you're not very familiar It's, it's interesting to see uh Tupac the man rather than Tupac the legend having a having a ball yeah that's great I really need to revisit Tupac because I was 
uh, 100% a rockist at this point. Mm. And mm-hmm. just like it, it, at this point in 1996. And I just didn't want to have anything to do. Like you show up at parties and stuff like that. And I was really like desperately holding on to these alternative songs. And people would want to put on like Tupac or Puff Daddy or, or Notorious B. Or Spice Girls. Yeah. Anything that wasn't that. And I'm like, no, like we've got to focus on on the important stuff. We've got to focus on cumbersome by seven mary three <laughs> guys you don't understand <laughs> yeah and i just like totally missed the boat like i just was not um in a place to 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 receive that and learn about it and i think that um you know looking back yeah i need to go back and uh give it a fair shake and i always i i, I do want to say i i should i should mention that tupac's voice always seemed like a little too gruff for like the music that he was like rapping to, it almost came off like Ja Rule a little bit, hmm. or um, like Freddie Gibbs nowadays. Yes, right. Like, yeah, and mm. uh, I I think that uh, for whatever reason that didn't seem very appealing to me at the time. I'm I'm open to it now, especially you know I mean like we talk about a couple of these singles like they're they are really great. Um, looking back in retrospect, mm. but I think that was something that had previously kind of turned me off about it too. I think about changes, right? Like yes, yes, the just beautiful. Um, uh, Bruce Hornsby sample. Bruce Hornsby, yeah, the the Bruce Hornsby sample, and uh, it's an interesting contrast with, like you said, uh, Tupac's kind of more more gruff um, voice. Um, my memory of California Love. I don't know if you guys remember me telling a story uh, back when we were talking about collective souls the blue album um <laughs> and i think talking about uh That's the exactly world what I kn- it's called yes. <laughs> <laughs> talking about the world i know and how i had a friend uh in elementary school that uh one time i remember staying the night over his house and we were just like listening to that song repeatedly yeah over and over uh-huh. and over i have a very similar experience with um that same friend with california love just hmm. same kind of thing staying the night over we listened to it over and over and over he would like rap it at me like he knew all the words by heart and uh you know i liked the song i didn't know the words and uh i just remember it just being grilled into my head and i think i stopped liking it by by the end of this weekend or whatever um but yeah i have Otherwise, positive memories about it. It's, it's, a, it's a good song. While your friend held you hostage and rapped at you? Yes. <laughs> uh, on the modern rock chart, anything that jumped out at you? Um, There were just like a couple that I guess are worth mentioning, maybe. Um, a lot of carryover from the la- the previous week. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kind of some of the newer appearances. Um one is popular by not a surf at number yeah. 26. I actually don't like that song at all. Um, I think it kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> I don't, I owned, I owned that album and I'm interested in that album. Maybe, um, Trev, I know that you were a big, not a surf fan kind of later on in their, um, career, right? Like you got into them from let go. 
Or were you into them before that? Yeah, no, it was Let Go in, okay. Which in was college. Two thousand three that that came out. Uh, actually, uh, yeah. Or so I think it was released in two thousand two in Europe, and mm. I got it on Napster or Soulseek, mm. and then it was re released in the U S. in two thousand three. I want to say, um, but yeah, yeah. I, that was one of my absolute favorites yeah. when it came out immediately. Yeah, and then I kind of held on to them for the next two or. three three albums and it's been kind of like diminishing returns since then um let go i think is just a fantastic album still to this day i feel like it's a a masterpiece um but uh going back to high low which is what Mm. popular is on um that was uh, it almost seems like a different band Mm. like there was they had an edge that they never really had again on that i was so i like i i guess i didn't remember the the verses were spoken word um mm-hmm. and copy off the buttholes yeah <laughs> and like and like each kind of line like increased in um intensity um and the chorus is i i don't think it's good i mean it, it just kind of sounds like um like uh crappy rivers cuomo like mm-hmm. it's just like it's a very rivers cuomo melody uh, two chords back and forth. My mom says I'm a catch. It's very Rivers Cuomo. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, I just I've don't... never liked. I've never liked this band. I just don't think it's. A good I song. have to say, um... I, I don't like what you're saying. Um, <laughs> it was so. Uh, the whole song, except for the chorus, I'm reading this from Wikipedia, are parts made up from the 1964 teen advice book. Penny's Guide to Teenage Charm and Popularity, written by television actress Gloria Winters. So, um, so very another novelty. Yeah, yeah, it's a novelty song, and I did really like it, and I think it's awesome. So, take that. All right. Um, the next (laughs) song that I noticed, uh, just we don't have to talk about it. Just worth mentioning. Um, down by three eleven at number thirty four. We will be talking about this song in the future. Yeah, it's it's on its way. Much to two of the three Let's of our chagrins. Let's keep keep it going. Um, and then at number thirty eight, sucked out by Super Drag. Yeah, which is yeah. awesome. That song rules. I always um, kind of pair that with Not a Surf. Like yeah, it, same. it feels yeah, like totally. they kind of came yeah. out around the same they, time. They both feel like they, they, to some degree, were more like cult bands. Uh, and I wouldn't describe them as indie bands, but yeah. um, they were bands that your friend came home from camp and said, hey, listen to this. Or at least for me, yeah, they were. Sure. S- yeah. Sucked Out is actually good, though. Yeah. Sucked Out yeah, is good. Yeah, yeah. Super Drag's got some cool stuff. Uh, I, I like the soft chorus for most of the song oh yeah I think good that's call it's a, a cool move and then um you know really rocking it out just for the last time i think that's mm-hmm. a that's a cool cool move anything else that's all that stuck out to me all right 
Well, uh, let's rate Pepper by the Butthole Surfers. Who would like to get us started? I can start this time. Um, I will give it f- four hairways to Steven. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I will also give it four buttholes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give it four jingles of a dog's collar. Look at that. Has that nice. ever happened that's before? A first, four, four, that's four. a first for us, yeah. with the exception of our, um, our special where we talked about uh, uh, that one, Sour Girl, Sour Girl, yeah, mm-hmm. which was all fives. Mm-hmm. This is our first regular season. All having the uh, same rating. Perfect yeah. agreement. Yep. Yeah, uh, good, good song. Is Pepper a Nirvana wannabe? No. No. All right. Is Nirvana a Tell butthole him. wannabe? Yeah, I was just going to ask, do you think that Interesting. Kurt Cobain was a fan of butthole surfers? I can't recall. Probably. Yeah. Well, the world will never know. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me all your thoughts on Pod as part of the Off Shelf family. Head to offshelf.net to sign up for their monthly zine and check out our sibling podcast, Best Song Ever. The best, most fun way for us to communicate with all of you is via our Facebook group, Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. However, we still love receiving your emails at thoughtsonpod at gmail.com. Listen along with our playlist on Spotify or Apple uh, Music or watch along on YouTube. Uh, My final question for you is, What's worse than standing outside a phone booth with money in your hand? I don't know what. Standing outside a broken phone booth with money in your hand by the primitive radio gods. (laughs) (laughs) That's the song that we will talk about next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.